You're listening to the Myers and Stroop Podcast. Your source for poor advice. Yeah, duh. Let's go with me. Useless information. Works for me. And oh, uh, did we mention fantasy football? With your hosts, Nate Myers and Tony Stroot. live with episode six i got myself nate myers and my co-host tony Stroot, for the uh the myers and Stroot podcast we've got a special guest uh mr victor garcia welcome to the podcast victor hello welcome everybody or hello to everyone so we're we're bringing victor into this podcast um because after tony and i's last last episode um all of our communication and what we mentioned we we do on slack and Victor was talking some mad shit, saying that he wanted to get onto our podcast and he had shit to say. So I guess before we get into the shit that you want to say, uh, Tony, is there anything you want to say in terms of, you know, kind of introducing Victor before he can kind of introduce himself? Nate, I'm a Colts fan and I'm in a pretty dark place right now. So I'm going to do my best to just not explode on this podcast. Victor's a good dude. Known the guy for what eight, nine, ten years now. Used to play poker with him for a while. Now uh, do fantasy football leagues. He's in damn near every league that we're doing this year. So I uh, appreciate his uh, kind of versatility on, on participating in all kinds of different uh, different leagues that we're doing. And um, no, I'm excited to get this year going. We're, we're right there. Uh, most of our drafts are already knocked out. We're, we're getting ready for the season to start here in T-minus eight days. Um, no, I, I think we can kind of get right into this, uh, find out what's on Victor's mind, find out the uh, important shit that he had to say after his uh, his uh, Smashing Pumpkins concert on Sunday, and uh, <laughs> we'll see what's going on here. Well, tell us, Victor, where, where are you from, man? How'd you, how'd you get into fantasy football? Um I'm from, I mean, originally from Mexico, but I grew up in Chicago, came to Houston. I got into fantasy football about 10 years ago through a guy at work, uh, Aaron Perez. I don't know if you guys know him. He used to be a next-gen five from NLB, and uh, he got me started. And uh, after a while, I started commissioning my own leagues. I'm no, This is the first year I'm not a commissioner in about you know, 10 years. I was a pretty lousy commissioner compared to you guys. <laughs> I think I sent a total of three emails throughout the whole season. It was usually as to say, pay now. And the end is like, this is who won. <laughs> so uh, I was not the most active of commissioners. And as I had more kids, it was less and less time to uh, devote to uh, being a commissioner. So I'm uh, I'm playing three dynasty leagues at the moment. And the guillotine, and this was going to be the first year I didn't play in a redraft, but I ended up joining one last minute. Uh, so... It's interesting. Um, I think uh, I ended up getting Andrew Powell, who's a pretty hardcore addict, into the podcast. So I still laugh every time I see his addiction grow. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I did that. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy it. It's uh, right now, it's the main uh, sport that I follow. I, As I have more kids, I really don't follow other ones. You know, no more basketball, no more uh, March Madness. So I kind of just pick my poison and just pick one uh so i'm not as well-rounded as i used to be and uh i enjoy trading as uh most of you can tell uh 
funny thing is I trade with a lot of times the same people. There's a lot of people that don't trust me when it comes to trains. They always figure I have something up my sleeve, even when I don't. So, for example, Andrew Powell, I think I know him for you know 10 years. I don't think I've ever made a single trade with him. And a lot of my close friends, they don't ever trade with me because they figure I know something, you know, that I'm trying to, like, be sneaky about it. But uh, just try to pull a fast on it, which I'm not, re- I'm not really not. Well, quick interjection here, guys. I- I'm just thinking back to our D12 Dynasty League that we started five years ago. I'm trying to think of the chain of events of kind of how that roster of the 12 of us kind of came to be. I mean, based on what you're saying, Victor, it sounds like you probably introduced me to Andrew. And then I know that Andrew and Nate are friends. Did Nate, did Andrew recruit you to this league, to that league? Uh, I'm not even sure how I, how I got pulled into D12 in the first place. Cause, yeah, cause, cause I didn't know you at that time. I, I met you just kind of, coincidentally in a completely unrelated thing i was like oh yeah that's fucking nate right there uh but i was trying to think of how chris landanger andrew robinson powell you and a few other guys like even got into that league because i didn't know any of you guys before that point and it sounds like it might have all started with victor i think i I ended up getting andrew into that was my first dynasty league and i'm like hey this sounds cool want to try this and, so uh, I don't know. If, so so Nate, did you know Andrew before that point, or did you meet him through that uh, Dynasty League? No, no. So I've known Andrew for a while. I actually, my wife has been friends with his wife for. I mean, I met her before I met Andrew, um, and that was about like eleven years ago. Um, so it was a. I've known them uh, for a long time. We've been family friends, and uh, his brother-in-law works uh, similar company. So it's. That, that had to have been kind of what brought us into the league. So, I mean, that was D12. That was my first experience into to Dynasty as well. Um, and that was pretty cool. I guess, Victor, was that was that your first Dynasty league? Yes, it was. And I kind of enjoyed Dynasties ever since. Like, every time a new one pops up, I basically ended up adding a Dynasty and getting rid of a redraft. <laughs> so that's how I ended up with no redraft at all. I'm slowly yeah. cutting mine out as well. And that's the tricky part, too, is because unlike a redraft league where you can take on three or four new ones every single year, you take on a dynasty league, you're stuck with the damn thing, no matter how shitty your team is. Like our uh, Super Thunderdome dynasty league, my team is absolute dog shit. And uh, that was started in 2017. We're going into year three. I've got at least like two more years before I can be anywhere remotely competitive. Uh, but I don't want to just be that guy that, that drops out for no particular reason. So... I'm just planning on throwing a hundred bucks at it every single year and uh, in hopes of maybe being good. But yeah, when, when you take on a new dynasty league, that's one, one league this year, one league the year after one year, the one league the year after that and so on. It's uh, it's a lot more of a long-term commitment that you're getting into. Well, I'll say firsthand working or I guess playing with Victor. I know I'm, I've been one of the ones that I feel like, uh, he's been one of my consistent trade partners or we've at least we found common ground on some things or at least things where players where he's valued and uh, been willing to let go of some players that I value more. And this, there's been a lot of give or take, but more often than not, it seems like him and I usually find some, some common ground. We're able to push a trade through and uh, as opposed to, I mean, there, there's a lot of owners and a lot of these dynasty leagues that we play in. Uh, that are so resistant to even considering a trade. And I know I mentioned before, I get a lot of shit for being considered a, a, a poor trader. 
Um, and I, I got a text tonight from some guys in one of our dynasty league, basically saying that they wanted to buy me a t-shirt that says, uh, your trade proposals suck. <laughs> um, you know, and I, in all honesty, I take that as a compliment, you know, I'm not going to lowball you to the point where it's just stupid, but who the fuck would, would offer you something at the best possible value right off the bat? I mean, it's, it's just like buying a house. You're not going to offer more than what they're asking for right away. So, you know, that's, that's what I appreciate about Victor. He's, he understands the process and he'll work with you and he'll throw something back at you if you reject it. And, you know, he, he just doesn't get discouraged and tell you to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times first office, I'm like, what the hell? But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who that never even want to bother. You send them a trade offer and they straight up told me like, unless it's lopsided, they're not interested because it's still, it will still suck anyways. I'm like, well, that's not fun. I'm just not going to give you, you know, all these extra, you know, if they're even trades, fair enough, but uh, otherwise, time to move on. There's probably a term for it, but I, I know people really like their own guys a whole lot more. They have that bias of thinking that, hey, I drafted this guy. Hey, I picked up this guy on waivers. Therefore, he is the best guy in the world, and there's no way I'm going to trade him away for for somebody that I didn't draft. If I wanted that other guy, then I would have drafted him instead. So a lot of people think that they, even if they're two and seven and at the toward the end of the season, they still think that anybody trying to trade with him is trying to screw him over. And that's often not the case. Usually you're trying to improve both teams where one team is running back heavy and the other team is tight end heavier or whatever the case is. Uh, it's hard kind of breaking that wall with a lot of people that insist that their own teams are absolutely the best. And if you try to trade away any of their players, then you're doing them a disservice. I mean, I, I feel like fantasy football is a little bit like, you know, gambling. So I like to gamble on sure. trades. It's like a game within a game. And I, you know, we had a, a league last year, Superflex, but I think I was the only one who made trades. I think all 10 trades in that league were made by me. Literally every trade yeah. that we did that year, you were half of that trade every single time. And uh, the only people I didn't trade it were like uh, Victor Hernandez, who I know very well, who always assumes <laughs> I'm trying to screw him over. So a lot, a lot of the people, like I said, they're, they're just like, ah, you know, so I'm like, why bother? <laughs> so in Nate, regards what? to the shit I had to, sorry, in, in regards to the shit I had to say, I actually don't even remember writing that down. It was after a concert. I think I was pretty loaded and I, I was just having fun on the way, on the way back. I was in the back seat. Somebody else was driving, obviously. And I was like, ah, shit to say. And I, <laughs> two days later, I'm like, ah, what's up? Well, let's, let's see if it if it comes to you over time. But let's let's start off real quick. So, who is your who's your go to NFL team if you're actually supporting somebody watching, like real? The Bears. The Bears. Okay, so I know you said you lived in Chicago, so you're a Bears fan. Uh, how are the Bears going to be this year? Uh, I mean, hopefully they're going to kick ass sometime. I mean, if it finally feels like there's hope, I know it's been hard living under uh, you know playing with the Packers year after year and then being so good and you know never having a prayer so finally we have a, a defense and you know we got a puncher's chance which is which is good i'll take that <laughs> well, hopefully the the bears will, will have a solid season um obviously for i'm broncos and you got the poor depressed sad colts fan so don't want to talk about it. segwaying into yeah so segwaying into that you know i, I feel like 
ESPN and all the news, everything, it's been so uh, just full of conversation about Andrew Luck and the fallout and what it means. And I mean, I don't really want to touch on it too much because I feel like it's just been beaten to death. Um, but it was shocking. I mean, it was surprising to see somebody with that level of talent uh, retire. And we, we just talked about it on the podcast. And really, Tony, you kind of called it by saying, you know, if, if, if he had injuries that were just he couldn't fight through, you know, it could be season ending. And literally the next night it happened. Um, so maybe you, you're the cause of your own team's demise. My bad. Um, <laughs> so you're just going to have to be, yeah, I guess no more cucks for luck. <laughs> um, it lasted a day. Um, so we had, we had Andrew Luck out, and I don't know if you want to say anything on it or just like pour out a drink quickly um, or if you want to move on to the next player. No, I mean, we, we can talk about it. I mean, it's uh, it definitely changes a lot of kind of from a fantasy football world. It changes a whole lot. I mean, every single player on the Colts now gets devalued tremendously uh, from the quarterback. Jacoby Brissett is not really draftable in most leagues, even as a backup. Uh, Marlon Mack is going to have a lot more stacked boxes to, to run up against. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is not going to be the same guy he was under Andrew Luck. Uh, Paris Campbell, Eric Ebron, the the receiving core is not really what it uh, what it could be. So the impact really is going to have a lot of fluctuations kind of throughout the league on a lot of different players. And I think we saw that on our our guillotine draft on on uh, Sunday night that I forget what the exact values are. I can pull them up here. But I mean, Marlon Mack went for half of what he was going to probably go for 28 hours prior you know, a day and a couple hours before the retirement notice, these guys would have gone for nearly twice what they did. Andrew Luck ended up being an auto-drafted pick for a dollar for somebody that, that wasn't paying attention. Uh, he probably would have been a, a $15, $20 guy the night before. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, again, all the receivers went for next to nothing relative to uh, kind of, I think, what they would have uh, if that announcement didn't come when it did. I don't know. You got to move on. The, the team is still very talented uh, outside of the, the quarterback downgrade. They still have a fantastic offensive line, uh, a solid set of receivers, a good run run game and a young and emerging defense. So I, I'm not going to try to pretend that they have like Super Bowl aspirations or anything at this point, but they're still a seven, eight, nine win team. And uh, even though they're going to go up against a pretty tough schedule against the AFC West and the NFC is the West on both? Yeah, I guess it is. The AFC West and the NFC West. Um, it's going to be a tough schedule, but um, it's something that actually the NFC South, sorry, NFC South, AFC West. Uh, I'm expecting them to be about an eight-win team, about an eight-and-eight eight kind of team this season. So will will the Colts be able to – do they play the Bears at any point? They play the Bears – Every four years in 2008, they would play 2020, so next season. Next season, okay. So whoever they draft, then Khalil Mack will probably kill <laughs> um, at some point, no matter how good you think your offensive line is. Uh, that dude is a, a man-beast. Uh, terrifying. I'm glad he's no longer with the Raiders, just murdering the Broncos. 
but uh okay um i know we had some other news like uh touched on just some other running backs being injured like uh miller in houston you know with him dropping out that that increase the value of duke johnson or at least right now uh immensely i mean like you mentioned in our guillotine league uh, a player of his caliber would have still been drafted uh, or at least purchased through an auction but the amount that he was purchased 26 dollars with him yeah for a 200 dollar auction league for a guillotine format that's a that's a significant amount of money considering you had some of our top tier running backs going from the 45 to 70 dollar range so it was pretty incredible to see that i think realistically you know duke johnson will he'll have a role i mean i'd be curious to see if they pick up any other running backs um or what sort of depth i feel like they have to add some depth um to that position there but uh we'll see what happens i guess in, in houston their backfield and how that impacts teams and fantasy they've week. already been linked to yeah, sorry they've, they've already been linked to jay ajayi uh just because he's free but then yeah the, the, there's been talks that they might trade a, a seventh round conditional pick to a couple of teams to pick up a guy like kenneth kenneth dixon or, or one of those guys that are that are already on the fringe on a, on a few other teams as a fourth running back that they might be moving to the uh, the Texans uh, to be the backup to uh, to Duke because yeah I mean who who do they have behind him they've got a couple of uh, uh, there's Crockett there's a couple of like undrafted free agents that aren't they don't have much uh, NFL experience I think they want to get some guy that they can at least say hey they have some kind of uh, professional production that they can use on their resume and instead of trusting some guy that they've never heard of to be the the guy in case Duke goes down. Yeah, Duke Johnson went for Duke Johnson gets... went for twenty eight dollars on this draft, sorry, and then Marlon Mack went for seventeen, so he went for eleven dollars more than uh, than the Colts starting running back. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's just a uh, I don't know anything can happen, and that's the the fun part and the challenging part, I guess about dynasty leagues um or you know in this case even a just drafting in advance of the season um i know at least this is this is probably the closest uh this is the most recent draft i've had i've got one upcoming tomorrow and then which i believe you're in as well um for mega league and then we've got another one or i've got another one with andrew coming up on september 4th or 5th uh, right before the season yeah. starts, but by drafting early, I mean most of these dynasty leagues are drafting rookies, you know, around NFL draft time, um, and there's a lot of risk in it if these players get hurt, and it it sucks, man. And that's that's the difficult part about this game is it's so fun, but man, it just takes one ACL tear, one Achilles tear, one like dislocated shoulder too many concussions just to completely wreck your season. And that's the the tricky part. A lot of people always say, it's like, yeah, that's why you don't draft until right before the league begins or until the NFL season begins. But you can have injuries in OTAs, training camp, preseason, game one of the regular season. I mean, and they can happen wherever. I remember back in 2008, uh, it was the, the first quarter of the Chiefs against the uh, the Patriots. This is the year after Tom Brady had all the record-setting numbers 
in uh, 2007. Uh, game one, quarter one, uh, probably 10 minutes into the game, uh, Tom Brady gets a, a ugly tackle and then tore his ACL or, or whatever happened, and it'll be an out for the year. You can lose a guy at any point of the season or the preseason. Um, it's always one of those hindsight is twenty twenty kind of things. So if if we were to do our draft right before Andrew Luck retired, somebody would have been pissed off, like O.J. Simpson, if he saw that news. Uh, but shit happens all throughout the year. So you're bound to just run into bad luck no matter what. Uh, it's just inevitable with uh, the NFL with the amount of injuries these guys go through. Yeah, I mean, I it's just part of the game. I mean, I think last year in, in the, our uh, SCBD, I had a team that was just crushing it, and my entire team went on the IR with <laughs> Cam Newton, Keenan Allen. Uh, I mean, almost every uh, – Todd Gurley, every one of my starters, you know, Adam Thielen, they all, like, laid an egg. I was like, what the hell? So, yeah, I mean, they're just part of the game. So, uh, you know, what it happens now or later, sometimes you wish it happened earlier. That way you didn't waste your time thinking you're, you're about to win it. Well, Victor, I know you were you were part of our, our guillotine draft, so kind of shifting gears out of kind of some NFL injuries um, or the two major ones uh, and shifting into the guillotine draft, you know, just a quick reminder, it's uh, a 17-team league. I am getting that correct again, right? <laughs> Bingo. A 17-owner league? Correct. And uh, so... We had our auction draft, and basically week to week, it's just top points scored, lowest points scored in the league gets eliminated from the league that week. Uh, their entire roster will go to the uh, essentially the waiver wire uh, for other teams to then bid on, and whoever survives it all uh, wins all the cash. Uh, I know there's a slightly different pay structure, but uh, set up for this specific league, but Victor, with your team, how'd you feel about your draft and the, the format and how it went? Well, I wanted to be there for the whole draft. I was only there for about the first half, and I had a concert conflict, so I ended up auto-drafting the second half, and I realized <laughs> I ended up with four quarterbacks, which was not my intent. But I think that had to do because I knew I, knew I needed to get at least a quarterback, so I think I, when I put my preset values that were higher, and I'm guessing that's why you auto-defaulted to them, but my overall strategy was trying to get, you know, people with uh, or players with good or favorable schedules in the first few weeks and didn't have any bye weeks, you know, weeks four, five, six, seven, that, you know, just so I can build a team. Because I figure by week eight or nine, that team may look totally different. Uh, so I, I feel good as long as I'm off the chopping block for a few weeks. I think I can get my, my team, you know, stronger and stronger. But we'll see if that pans out or not. So was Billy Corgan worth the four quarterbacks on your roster? <laughs> That's the question. Uh, Is this? <laughs> <laughs> I got to see Wonderwall, so I'm going to say yes. He's already down to three. Okay, okay, I got you. So I forget that uh, that they opened up. Uh, essentially, what is one of the Oasis brothers opened up for? Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, it's so, kind of funny. I think that band was on top of the world, and now they're an opening act. I found it a little amusing. Well, Victor's already down to three quarterbacks. He, he drafted the, one. The circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was the? Was uh, he got he, he got rid of Brissett. Yeah. Oh, Brissett. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I have no idea how that's going to pay off. There was one one player in our league, uh, in the guillotine league, that drafted Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Melvin Gordon. Fuck, Melvin Gordon. So that was definitely the the highest risk and the highest reward, which I think it's. I guess from the news they were saying it's more likely for Melvin Gordon that he. I saw that. Yeah, but I don't know. It's so. It's it's all over the place. You don't know what's going to happen. Well, the the team that drafted both of those was Nathan Brooks, and he spent right over fifty percent of his budget on these guys. One hundred and five of the uh, two hundred dollars. He also has Travis Kelsey. He also has Marlon Mack. Uh, he has Curtis Samuel. He's got a pretty good roster if these guys play, and these guys these are going to be players that he can stick with the entire season because guys like Elliott and Gordon can be top five guys if they actually play for their teams uh the the question is especially as we get closer and closer are they going to be even good to go for week one if they say if they report to camp tomorrow uh because they're going to have to get used to their 2019 kind of playbook and depending on how complex that is some of their offensive coordinators might say buddy you need more time to get ready otherwise you're going to going to run the wrong way and you're going to get knocked out by by a defensive player and get knocked out for the year so uh, i mean running back is considered one of the easier positions in the nfl to learn and i'm, I'm sure the guys like elliot and gordon that have been on their teams for four or five years now uh probably know what they're doing but i mean if they're waiting until the very last minute just to avoid training camp even without a deal if they're willing to play this year i don't know what's going to happen to them in the beginning of the season As, well, a Tony, pa- have... as a parlor owner, I've go ahead. Hoping I go ahead. At least once or twice. Tony, what do you feel about uh, your team? I like it. I don't love it. Uh, I ended up going with that uh, kind of studs and duds approach. Uh, got Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, solid, solid uh, wide receiver core. Uh, Beyond that, though, I've got Kurion Johnson for my running back, and I spent a lot more money than I wanted to on him. And after that, it's a whole bunch of single-dollar guys. i got Royce Freeman for my RB2, uh, Vance McDonald, who I'm actually kind of high on for a tight end, uh, then just a whole bunch of one, two, three-dollar guys. So I really just need to survive these first couple of weeks. If so, then I, I can build those other spots through the waiver wire, which was kind of the goal. Uh, I just need to make sure that those guys that I spent I mean, between uh, Michael Thomas, Julio, and Curion, uh, that's I'm looking at $172, $174. So three quarters of my budget, almost uh, like four fifths of my budget uh, on three guys. So if they can perform and keep me alive through the first two or three weeks, then I've got a lot of a lot of uh, high hopes for the rest of the season. But if they lay an egg in week one, then there's a very good chance these guys are going to be some top waiver wire claims for everybody else. Well, shifting into week one. So I know we've all got lots of formats going on. Uh, Nate, hold on a second, buddy. You haven't told uh, us about your team. Oh, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about uh, it. You don't get that privilege, man. This is the Myers and Stroop broadcast. I at least can turn it back on you. All right. Um, I, I feel okay <laughs> about my team. Um, I, I took some some risk uh, on some players. Um, 
I'm definitely I'm light in some areas, but I mean I feel like I'm I'm decently strong in others. So I just don't know what's going to happen at this point in time. I mean I'm so I'm very dependent on potentially Duke Johnson uh, doing well. Um, I just I I don't know what's really going to take place in this league. So. Well, that was kind of a last-second decision you had to make there, because I mean, yesterday Duke or the the day before Duke Johnson was a, a five-dollar running back. Uh, did his value elevate sixfold for, for in your opinion, or was that more of a bidding war that you just kind of let get, go uh, a little crazier than you wanted? It was it was mainly like once I got to a point where I I knew my roster set up and the money I had left and what I what I wanted to make happen. Um, I felt like it was just an essential move and I felt like he, the value I should get out of him, assuming he gets the carries and the touches he should get is well worth the, like, you know, 20 to $30 range versus spending 60 plus for a higher okay. tier running back. So, you know, to me, it, I guess I saw value, um, if he does what he's supposed to do but if he doesn't then that could end up uh really hurt me um in the wrong long run and i was trying to pull up my roster real quick and did you delete the uh, espn i already got rid of it yes sir see that was my quick reference just to uh if you pull up up your uh, gmail or whichever email address you have it go through uh you can just search for guillotine draft results that'll pull it up yeah i'm just Loading the my fantasy, my fantasy that league, too. but uh, it, anyways, uh, for my team, really, it's just, I want to see what happens. I, all that matters is at least getting through week one, um, which I hope I can. Um, from there, it's just I don't know. I don't know. I'm still undecided how I'm going to play the the waiver wire at first and how much money to spend, assuming you do make it. And I don't know, like that, that's the biggest question for me. Cause I, I feel fairly good. I can make it through week one. Uh, now looking at my roster, um, you know, I, I spent majority of my money on Joe Mixon. Um, but I, I feel good. I've got good pieces. If I make it through week one, then it's like, what the fuck do you do? You know, do you blow all your money to try to get that top tier player that was dropped by the person that got bumped? Or do you see if you can make it one more week? You know, because it's somebody's going to start making the move for those drop players. That's going to really make them a strong team. Uh, it's like, do you do you let them become a powerhouse? And Victor, I don't know if you've put much thought into, you know, assuming you do make it to next week. What what do you do now? Like, how do you attack the waiver wire? I'm actually trying to be a little bit more conservative because I figure some of these players are going to be available multiple times ideally mm-hmm. so it's going to be tough i think it really varies on you know if it's a, a player like uh you know it's going to be a top tier throughout the whole season you know one of the top four running backs and i think you go in hard because you know you're going to put right them all year but some of these other middle of the road guys i'm just going to try to see if i can keep my as long as i'm not at the bottom of the chopping block but it's going to be a point that you realize if you're towards the bottom, you really got to go all in to try to get the next guy to, you know, make sure you're not 
at the chopping block. So it's gonna be interesting. I think week by week you gotta keep checking how every how your team stacks to the rest of them, and you know bye weeks are gonna be a key factor. You may have a stat right now that's gonna be in a bye week, and you really need to spend a lot of money to make it to the week after. Because if you don't, then what's the point? I agree with you. Tony, any words of wisdom as far as how you plan on potentially tackling the uh, like the waiver wire, assuming you can make it through uh, week one? I'm keeping my secrets on that, but uh, I, I'm just I just want to say that this is kind of the most excited I've been about a new league in the long in a long time. I, I think just the idea of seeing guys like Travis Kelsey, like Christian McCaffrey, like DeAndre Hopkins being on the waiver wire in week two or week seven or wherever it ends up being. And then there's a dozen or more people trying to fight over these guys, assuming that everybody is active on it, which I, I've got to imagine at least most of us will be. Um, it's just really, really exciting to see how this plays out because there's a million different ways that people can try to approach a team. Some of them might get cocky and think, hey, I'm good to go for three or four weeks and they don't even touch the wire, trying to save their money for those big name guys later in the season. Some guys might blow their load in, in week two just so they can make it for a couple more weeks. But then once week six comes around, they're, they're dead in the water because now they now they can't afford anybody else. I don't know. I mean, it really just kind of depends on who ends up being the, the short straw in week one, what kind of players they have, how much they're worth to everybody else that have uh, kind of weak positions at their areas of, of strength. Um, now, the, the, the season's really exciting. I love the format. Uh, this is obviously season one for all of us. The, the format was only created in 2018. So um, I know they kind of created it for my fantasy league where it kind of automates the process of dropping all the players to the waiver wire. Um, I hope this can become a, a yearly thing that once we get one year of experience, we can live and learn from how it plays out. And then maybe most of us will come back in year two with a, a new perspective on, on how to do everything. And this can be the sort of thing that I can do year in and year out and slowly but surely get better. But your strategies are going to have to change and evolve uh, based on how everything's going. It was a good call on you to uh, introduce this concept to everybody. And definitely, I think as the as the week goes on and as we have these podcasts, um, just be able to explain to everybody like what's happening and the chaos that ensues and the shock of which team got dropped because of, you know, what, whatever situations going on for the a specific player and how it impacted the team. I'm looking forward to, to talking about it uh, just as much as I am to actually owning the team. Um, but it is going to be depressing if, if you end up getting cut, you know, <laughs> it's uh, I hope I don't end up in that spot, obviously, but uh, it's, it's inevitable at some point uh, potentially. So, Anyways, are we? Do I have your permission now, uh, co-host, to, to move on to the next section? Are we? Do we need to linger a little bit more? No, by all means, sir. Thank you for sharing your your feedback on your team. That was what I was looking for. But uh, yeah, whatever else you got, man. Okay. Well, I guess. Okay. Well, I guess before we move into week number one, uh, our next segment of top three predictions. Uh, Tony, is there any any food product, any restaurant, any any gluttonous uh, device <laughs> that, that you want to until plug they're today? willing to pay for sponsorship. No, I got nothing. 
<laughs> no, like Totino's Pizza. No, like nothing that you is your. <laughs> it's a, it's a week later. I'm still okay. I'm still liking that. We'll just deep we'll deep that. dish bacon wrap deep dish uh, from Little Caesars. That was a legit pizza. It was like four thousand calories of grease, but I, I still just still uh, want to plug that as a recommendation for me. The deep just deep. Just call it the deep deep, like <laughs> the deep deep. Um, the the double deep. I don't know. I like deep deep. Um, but uh, we'll call it that. So we'll move on to our next section. What I want to do was, um, really just top three predictions. Um, I think it's a little too soon to say, uh, for week one. Uh, we'll we'll probably do that as we get a little closer, um, after this final preseason. But let's just say estimations for the year. Uh, and predictions, uh, top three, uh, really quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, uh, finishing the year in fantasy. And we'll, we'll assume like a PPR league, not not anything crazy like the, the point per first down that we have in the guillotine league or some other formats. Um, but we'll start with the quarterbacks and we'll put pressure on uh, the shit talker, Victor. Um, but Victor, for I guess this year in fantasy football, who do you think is going to be, or who are your top three quarterbacks uh, performers? Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come back strong. He had a lot of yardage, few interceptions, and the touchdowns were there, but I think he's going to come back to to the top. Uh, Mahomes, <laughs> which I traded away a couple of years ago, I'm I'm sure he's still going to be uh, uh, there to be reckoned with in the third guy at this point I have no idea who it's going to be because it seems like after that is a, a little bit of a drop off uh, I guess golf has so many weapons that just on that alone he can take him to the next level but uh, um, that's what I'm hoping at least Tony you having arguments with the uh, essentially the top three potentially of Rogers, Mahomes and uh, I guess a golf I put all three in the top five um I think Mahomes is, I think, by default, the, the clear number one. I'm going to give a shout-out to Matt Ryan, who last year was QB2, and he's been the most consistent quarterback over the last, like, seven years. Uh, he's not a flashy guy, but, I mean, he's got Julio Jones. He's got Calvin Ridley. He's got um, – I'm drawing a blank. Who's the third third wide receiver over there? Yeah, Mohamed Sanu. Sanu. Uh, they've got one of the better passing offenses in the league, and there's a f- ridiculous stat how Matt Ryan is not going to play outside until like week 12 this year. Every game that he's playing is going to be in a dome, whether it's at home for eight of those games, and then he's playing in Minnesota in week one. They're playing a dome up there. He's playing everywhere else. He doesn't play outside until I think in Tampa Bay in uh, – like around Thanksgiving, which is kind of absurd, but it works out great for his uh, his passing offense. So I'm going to throw Matt Ryan into maybe the top five, along with Deshaun Watson is probably also a fourth or fifth kind of guy. And I don't think he'll be in that range, but I, I think he's only going to be like seventh or eighth. But he's better than a lot of people are probably going to give him credit for. And that, my friends, is Mr. Jameis Winston. And this is a guy who's been on my STDD dynasty team so I watch the guy pretty often, and he's been a whole lot of hot garbage. He got benched twice last year for Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
but I think with Bruce Arians uh, as the new head coach down there, I think they're really going to open up that offense uh, between O.J. Howard, between Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I think they've got a lot of pieces that they can work with, especially because they don't have any running game to speak of whatsoever. I think they're just going to be throwing the ball the whole damn time, and they're going to be throwing it deep, which is what like what Bruce Arians likes to do. Um, I think he's going to put up some stats. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be top five, but I think he can be in that top seven, top eight range in quarterbacks this year. So it was at this point in the podcast that I was disconnected and could not get back online for a significant amount of time. Uh, in the interim, Tony and Victor uh, had a incredibly interesting conversation about tacos and Breaking Bad. So this is Victor's gift to you uh, while I sorted out and got my computer back up and running. Enjoy. While you do that, I want to remind everybody to eat tacos. Eat tacos often. They're good. You can uh, mix and match uh, salsa flavors, so it's like a different kind of taco. Victor, what is the perfect taco? The one. And, and what is on your taco tonight, sir? Uh, pastor. Any particular uh, toppings or, or seasonings you prefer? I always want to go with cilantro and onions. Tried and true, sure. Because kind of you can get the same taco. Mm-hmm. You know, I still haven't. Well, what's the? Is it the Taco Chronicles? You were talking about that a while back. I still haven't gotten around to watching it on on Netflix. I keep seeing it pop up on my screen, but never uh, made the commitment to actually watching it. I watched it just out of pure curiosity. I mean, it's, I thought it was funny. I always joke around tacos and. See, actually, somebody made a whole series of how many episodes are there? Hilarious. So I okay. Uh, there were five episodes. I think I watched four. I didn't get to the fifth one, but I was I was amused. Each each uh, nice. taco is a different episode. I, I guess I wasn't aware how many different types of tacos there are. Yeah. I, I guess it depends on what they mean by different types of tacos. But is it just different? Okay, that's fair. A different kind of meat. But, uh, I mean, talking about shows, Netflix, I'm really excited about the, what's it called, El Camino, the new... We're uh, down to, what, about five and a half weeks? Something like that. So, as a, as a fan who got to go to uh, New Mexico and visit all those sites and got into uh, the RV and all that other good stuff, I'm... Uh, Really excited to. Uh, well, there, people are starting to leak little details here and there about it. I'm doing my absolute hardest not to read them because, I mean, I, I saw the the trailer with uh, with Skinny Pete kind of talking to the the agents about trying to find Jesse. So I, I know the basic premise and I'm fine with that. But I, I don't want people starting to leak of which actors are in the movie, which what kind of plot they're going to have. I like to keep as much of it a surprise as I could. And that's probably not going to happen just because I'm so exposed to all that stuff everywhere. But um, I don't know. As long as I can go in not knowing what's going on, uh, I'll be nah. happy with that. Uh, Nate just mentioned that his Wi-Fi dropped, so he'll probably be jumping back on here in a few seconds. No, likewise, I'm going to try to avoid any stories. I like to go in fresh. No reason to spoil it ahead of time. So it will be... 
it'll be interesting to see what what happened next but it's pretty easy for me to uh to not you know i don't go on facebook or twitter or any of the other stuff so it's pretty easy to uh avoid a lot of that thing but yeah, I don't think I have that same discipline, especially because they talk about it on Reddit all the time, too, on all the subreddits that I follow there. So, well, Nate encourages, encourages is encouraging us to continue talking about tacos and Breaking Bad, so maybe he'll jump on here soon. What really? is Reddit? Reddit in extremely simple terms it's just a whole bunch of message boards but it's just a lot more fleshed out sophisticated where they have different message boards called subreddits uh devoted to to different topics whether it's something generic like world news or politics or just funny pictures or you can break it down there's one for fantasy football there's one for dynasty dynasty fantasy football there's one for just nfl generic news there's one for Breaking Bad, one for Better Call Saul, one for just TV in general. Probably a couple thousand altogether. Um, and you can kind of subscribe to the ones that you want to follow and don't to the ones that you don't so you can see what's relevant to you. And last I saw, it's something like the sixth or seventh most visited website like on the internet in the in the world. So it's it's up there. Gotcha. I have yeah. three kids, so I'm not a big... I, I don't have time for social media as much as others i never had a twitter or snapchat or none of that i think facebook it's it's i i guess it technically counts as social media because you you have accounts and you can interact with each other but it's not really one of those things where you post on your wall or you post all your tweets or anything it's more of just interactions with other people like like i said just kind of like a message board so i don't think those really count as social media at least by my definition but it, it just allows you to kind of stay on top of what's new in the world and um the the breaking bad and the better call Saul subreddits have been talking about the the new movie for for months now since it was announced i want to say back in about november of last year and now that they like people thought okay maybe they're going to start filming soon maybe they have a script then all of a sudden um uh bob odenkirk the guy who plays uh saul uh, mentioned just kind of casually in an interview recently. He's like, oh yeah, they're already done filming, didn't you hear? And that was news to everybody. And then a couple days later, the the name of the movie was released along with um, the official release date of October 11th and a quick little 45-second trailer with uh, with Skinny Pete. So I don't know, uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to rewatch the entire uh, Breaking Bad series again, 62 episodes or whatever that is over the next uh, month and a half, and Pretty pumped. Hopefully you enjoyed that segment from Tony and Victor. Now back to the podcast. I'm gone 10 fucking minutes. And <laughs> already, I gave your option to talk about food earlier. Um, you gave Fine. me the options. You said what you asked what I wanted to endorse. Victor decided it was uh, appropriate to bring up tacos. Yeah, uh, I guess he. Yeah, that's a good point. I know he's been an advocate, especially that <laughs> uh, net, that Netflix special. Precisely. Uh, so, well, I appreciate you guys hanging tight. I know I don't want to keep it too much longer because uh, with it being a Wednesday night. But uh, did you carry on with any of the other players or? 
or positions, or did you just shift straight into tacos and TV? It was your turn to talk about your quarterbacks, and that's when you dropped off, and I wanted to reveal any secrets. Because uh, I was I was hearing Tony talk about Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston. Uh, who was that? Who knows? <laughs> that was strange. <laughs> uh, I'm just assuming you said great things about Bruce Arians that's going to basically validate why you think that Jameis Winston will be a potential top quarterback. Um, I mean, I agree with Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes. I think that that number three spot, there's going to be a toss-up. I think you still have Drew Brees with a lot of weapons around him. Um, he could, he, He's going to be a fantasy impact. Um, I mean, you still have Michael Thomas. You have Kamara. You have uh, now... Uh, Cooks at the tight end position, or Jared Cook. I mean, he's there's there's he's he's Drew Brees. Um, you know, I think maybe some sleeper quarterbacks that will potentially edge in there. I agree with Golf, but um, I mean, I'm trying to think if I even want to say <laughs> if I even want to endorse the Cleveland Browns in any shape or form. <laughs> But uh, I think Mayfield definitely, if he takes that step up, he's got so many weapons around him. Like, he has that potential. Maybe not top three, but, I mean, he, I think he could get top ten. Um, he, he's but, definitely got one of the higher ceilings in the NFL. I think we can agree. It's just a matter of whether he can take all of those different ingredients and make them happen in one season. And going from his team last year just to this year with – adding Odell Beckham, adding uh, Kareem Hunt for the second half of the season and becoming a, one, one more year familiar with Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. Uh, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. If, if they all work out, it's absolutely possible. He can be a top five, maybe even top three guy. Well, I just don't know if he can figure it out that quickly. Let's, let's keep it simple, I guess. Let's just, let's each say who our top is at each position. And so let's, Victor, would you say that Aaron Rodgers then is your, your top predicted scorer in fantasy, uh, or would it be Mahomes? Uh, I think it will be Rodgers. Okay. For you, Tony? I think Mahomes is a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, dude's scary. Uh, I'm going to have to say Mahomes as well for fantasy purposes um, until he proves otherwise. Um, running back-wise, so – We'll shift from Victor going first to you, Tony. Who's going to be your top scoring running back this year? I think they're going to run Saquon Barkley into the damn ground. Uh, he's probably going to have a short career as a result, but it sounds like they're prepared to feed him 30 times a game if that's what it takes. Fair fair enough. You think he's going to hold up with uh, all the carries and touches? At his age, I think he's good this year, next year, maybe the year beyond, but I think it's really going to start taking its toll after about four or five seasons unless they, they shift their kind of strategy of how to utilize him, whether they get him a competent RB2 to kind of ease the workload or, or they just kind of shift the workload to more of a passing game. Uh, right now, though, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't just keep pounding the ball down the other team's throats because he has so much immense talent as a running back. They're going to utilize that all they can. And it's really unfortunate for running backs where they kind of kill these guys or make them pretty much useless by the end of their, their rookie contracts. Um, 
it sucks, but that, that's how teams are using them these days. And I don't see any reason why the Giants wouldn't take the the guy they used their number two overall pick on last year and and keep him in there as long as they possibly can. Well, who would you say? I know you said that uh, obviously Saquon is your, your number one prediction uh, at the moment. Who would be a, kind of your, your, your wild card as far as if things went perfect, they could potentially be that, that number one, just kind of an outside shot. I mean, outside shots so are not, I mean, you don't want to say Kamara, Zeke, those kind of guys are kind of the obvious choices. Yeah. Not I'm going to, just... I'm going to say Leonard Fournette. Uh, he's the kind of guy who had all that potential in the world. He was that RB one in the 2017 class, even though guys like Christian McCaffrey, guys like Joe Mixon have kind of left him, leaped over him. Uh, but I think he's got a situation where he's got a better quarterback now. He, he's got Nick Foles instead of uh, – I've already forgot the guy's name. Uh, the douche in Jacksonville last year. Uh, in terms of what position? Quarterback, sorry. Uh, you're talking about moving on from Bortles? Bortles, there you go. So they, they got rid of Bortles. Now they have Nick Foles. Uh, Fournette's apparently healthy which is a change of pace because he missed about half the season last year. And he's apparently getting a lot more involved in the passing game, which is something he didn't really do a whole lot before. Uh, so if he's catching balls and, and running at an effective rate on that team, I don't know about RB1, but I think he can be a top RB3, RB4 uh, with a, a fantastic season, which well, he's being drafted around RB10, RB12. So I think that'd be a nice change of pace or a nice uh, improvement over what a lot of people are expecting of him. Well, let's, let's rephrase that. He's still an RB one, but the, well, the okay. 10, the 10 overall. Like there you the, go. Sure. Okay. So I don't disagree. Victor, who is your number one running back prediction for this year? And then who is your, your wild card kind of outside the box? Full season, Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's got a nice blend of, uh, you know, Pros, uh, if he doesn't play the full season, I think Camara will take it. And the outside shot, it will be Nick Chubb. If uh, it does that, is he still down low enough to count as an outside shot, or is that too close to the top? No, no, I think that's a good outside shot. What what makes you, just with what you've seen with Chubb last year, I mean, what makes you think? Because obviously near the end of the season, you could have Kareem Hunt coming back. Um potentially vulturing, you know, maybe not a significant amount, but obviously that's competition. I mean, you just like what you saw with Chubb last year? Uh, I mean, I think Hunt is going to be, depends what, what happens when he comes back. He might not have as large of a role as he had if, and if the Browns really do take a step forward, they could be a high-scoring offense, and they may just want to keep, uh, you know, Chubb in there. So I, I'm not worried. I'm hoping Hunt does more, but at this point I don't know how much we actually will. Or if you know contribute, but I think Chubb can be productive. It may be the same thing as the Camara, uh, you know, Camara with uh, Ingram last year. They can still both be high producers if that offense keeps on rolling. Agreed. So I'd say for for myself, uh, top running back. I mean, I I think it's going to be. I'm leaning towards more Christian McCaffrey. Just with the so the upside with receiving um, and what he can do. I mean, Cam, 
I think is going to lean on him again more this year. And I think he's just going to have a really just an encore to what we saw last year. I mean, it's again, that, that split though, between these top running backs is so, so small, um, outside shot. This is going to be random. I, I was torn between like a Dalvin cook or, um, kind of that caliber type player, but I'm actually going to say Devonta Freeman, which might sound crazy, but I mean, this guy was a, a top five running back, uh, three years ago, four years ago. I mean, he, he helped teams win leagues. Um, and now Tevin Coleman is gone and I know you have Ito Smith, but like he's, does he have any competition? Like, and you've got, he's going to get the, the touches he's gonna get passes he's gonna he's gonna be there if he can stay healthy and matt ryan can play well and you know calvin ridley can push down the field and julio can draw people away he's gonna have running lanes um and he's got talent i mean he's not i think people have kind of forgotten about devonta freeman well, I'm, I'm going to prove your point, and then I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, proving your point, you make a very valid point where the inter- interesting stat about the Falcons is they have first-round picks all across the offensive line. Literally all five starters are former uh, first-round NFL draft picks, and that's something I don't even think the Cowboys have. Uh, the Colts have three. The Cowboys have three or four. The Eagles have a couple. Uh, the Falcons have five first-round running five first round offensive linemen which bodes fantastic for the running game uh however the, the point that i wanted to make though is that uh a reason that 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 devonta freeman had such a great year about it was 2016 i think is what you're talking about uh largely i th- i would attribute that to kyle shanahan who was the offensive coordinator at that point he was just kind of the guy that made that happen and i'm sure you know now that he's actually left to become the head coach of the san francisco 49ers which is where Tevin Coleman went to. So I, I'm really kind of high on Coleman working out with uh, the 49ers. Uh, I'm not, I don't really know a whole lot about the, the current offensive coordinator for, for the Falcons, but I know they've kind of shifted away from the run game. Maybe that was because uh, Freeman was injured last year. And they kind of shifted more to a, a pass focus game with Tevin Coleman catching balls out of the backfield instead of running the ball a whole lot. Uh, so maybe with Freeman healthy this, this year, maybe that'll change back. I'm not sure. Um, might be one of those kind of respectfully agree to disagree kind of things. I don't see it, but I, I would be surprised if I'm proven wrong just based on the, the amount of talent they have on that offensive line to make holes for the run game. So again, it is an outside outside shot and wild card. He's got the pieces and he's got, he's done it before. Sure. And it's definitely something where people be like, Oh, I didn't see that coming. You know, he's kind of, Definitely, even in the like David Johnson ish, uh, you know, bringing in uh, Kyler Murray, like if he can, if he can ignite that offense, does it bring somebody like David Johnson back into the mix? And can we, are we going to see him back again? You know, that guy was insane, you know, when they actually had a quarterback that could do something. But uh, I guess we'll shift to, let's say, wide receivers, just so we can carry on real quick. Um, and I guess I'll start with wide receiver and I'm just going to have to, it's probably just the easy choice, but if, if 
Rodgers is going to be near the top. I'm going to have to go with uh, Devontae Adams as being the, the top wide receiver this year uh, in terms of fantasy production. Uh, there's not many weapons around him, but still that tandem. If Rodgers can stay healthy and Aaron Jones can run the ball, uh, I can't think of any more important number one aside from maybe Breeze and Thomas. And then in terms of wild card, like just throwing the, the wild, the wild, wild out there. Um, I'd probably, let's, let's go say if, if this man can stay healthy and not do drugs and not drink, um, I think Flash, <laughs> Flash Gordon's got a chance to, to really, at least I'll say get into the top 10 uh, if he can stay healthy and so can Brady. For me, I'm, I, I know that a lot of players really respond well when they're playing for a new contract. And uh, once they get that contract, they can go on cruise control. So for that reason, I think kind of guys kind of like Michael Thomas, who just got his new deal, I'm not too high on for that reason, even though, yeah, I drafted him in one of my leagues. I think he'll still put up numbers, but I don't think he's going to put up those superstar numbers. Somebody who is playing for a new contract, who's making under $2 million this year, and we thought even three months ago that he might not even play this entire season, but now that he's in no suspensions and he's playing for a new deal as an undrafted free agent in 2020 Tyreek Hill. And he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to him. He's very capable of getting the big numbers. And I think he's going to play his ass off this year. And I, I see no reason that he's not at worst kind of WR three WR four in the NFL He's got a very good chance to challenge the DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones for that number one slot this year. As far as, far as a kind of shot out of left field, they're a run-heavy offense, but with Doug Baldwin retiring, that offense belongs to Tyler Lockett over in Seattle. And again, not going to put up top five numbers or anything, but as far as a fringe WR1, kind of that top 12 receiver guy, I think Lockett is very capable of kind of taking that step up this year. What about you, Victor? Uh, top of all, I'm going to go with uh, Julio Jones. I think that uh, he's got unfortunate touchdowns, you know, in the past, and those are going to come up and add up in the future. And, you know, they have to respect the whole offense, so that's going to uh, – he's not going to get – as much attention as before and the guy with the outside shot to crack the top 12, I'm going to go with, uh, uh, Chris Godwin. I think, you know, there's going to be a fast, yeah. heavy attack and, uh, he can really benefit from, uh, you know, they say he's going to be playing the Larry Fitzgerald, uh, role. So he can, uh, you know, really play a lot and, uh, take the next deep leap forward. I think I got him on three or four of my leagues already. So <laughs> um, hopefully he does it. That's interesting between uh, Lockett and uh, Godwin. I know Godwin's got a lot of hype. Uh, Lockett, we see what he can do. Um, I know you have Matt Calf that was drafted, and I know he's they talked about injuries around him, um, but he was a pretty highly touted draft pick. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what can happen. But uh, those are interesting choices for everybody. So we'll go to the the least glamorous. Um, but the tight end, the tight end position. So Victor, we'll come back to you. Who do you think is going to be the top performing tight end, and who's kind of your wild card surprise player? 
Uh, I mean, first one's you got to go with Kelsey. I think he's in a league of his own. Uh, as for number one tight end, outside wild card, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Henry. And uh, you know he can just catch a lot of touchdowns right there with San Diego. So it, it could happen. I don't know if uh, <laughs> that would be the outside coming in. I'm sure I'm not okay. going to be trading for him now because people are going to be like, oh, you want him that bad? Yeah, Travis Kelsey is kind of in a league of his own, it seems like. He's in about the seventh year of his career, so he's at the prime time before he starts to fall off. Uh, I think it's a little unfair to even do that because he's a first-round draft pick this year in a lot of leagues. Uh, for potential TE2, which is where I think the, the battle kind of begins between Ertz, Kittle, and all those guys, uh, I'm going to throw out O.J. Howard there. Uh, players generally take about until their third season, maybe fourth season, uh, as tight ends before they really kind of figure out NFL offenses between the passing schemes and the and the blocking schemes they have to follow. And I think that O.J. Howard is primed for a huge year, uh, similar to because it's in the Bruce Arians offense and also because I think that the game is finally slowing down to him. Uh, he started to look a whole lot better in the second half of last season. And I think with another offseason, another set of training camp uh, time behind him, I think he's ready. I think he can challenge for that kind of tight end two spot this year. Uh, regarding a fringe kind of starting tight end this year, in terms of fantasy production when he is playing, I'm going to throw out Chris Herndon from the New York Jets, which is probably not a name that a lot of people have even heard of. Uh, he was a rookie last year, and he was one of those guys who figured it out a whole lot faster than a lot of guys do on the tight end position. Um, he was, I believe, tight end eight last year as a rookie, and that's kind of absurd. Uh, this year, he's already suspended for the first four games of the season, but once he gets in in, in the fifth game, and he's playing with a, a sophomore quarterback with him, he's playing with Sam Darnold, uh, this can be one of those tight end QB combinations they just thrives. Uh, they, they started the NFL together, and they've been playing together from the get-go. It's kind of like Andrew Luck did with Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen back in 2012. That These guys just started the game together, and they've been sticking to it ever, ever since. I think after his suspension, I think on a week-to-week basis, I think Chris Hernan is very capable of putting up uh, top 12 numbers for the rest of the year. I don't think those are really bad choices. Obviously, Chris Hernan doesn't have like the... The, rain, the name recognition, I think. Um, for me, I'd say tight ends this year. If if Carson Wentz can have a full, healthy season, he's more back to normal. I think Zach Ertz has the possibility of being back in that top tier. Uh, there's just a lot of weapons. He's a talented quarterback. I mean, I, I can't really argue uh, Kelsey, but I think Ertz is just as talented in terms of pass catching. Um, and he'll have that that possibility. Um, my wild card, um, I'm actually going to go with a rookie, which doesn't typically happen. Um, but I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson in Detroit and say that he has a possibility of really kind of cracking the top. I'm going to say top 10 as a rookie, which, you know, as a tight end position, you don't usually see them again really pop off until maybe year three it's just becoming physically ready learning 
they, they block just as much as they have to run routes. So they have to learn the playbook, but they have to be, they have to have the ability to, to run block and pass block. But I mean, this guy is the, the real deal. And he's had some flashy moments already just in the preseason rolling with the ones. Um, I think he could surprise some people. We know Stafford loves to throw. Um, you know, they have a run game. They have a decent wide receiver core. I, I think he's going to surprise some people. And silence. <laughs> I was hoping Victor had something to say. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you on that. As you like to say, yeah, I agree. This is I, this is when he's talking I, shit. Can't, can't really fight you on that. Good shit talking, Victor. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to make sure the kids were asleep. <laughs> like, quiet. I had to mute. I had to mute my mic when uh, they were going up. Well, I, I was waiting for you to like uh, to be all about Ertz because you're all about Goddard. I swear you've got a serious man crush on Dallas Goddard. <laughs> so, I th- yeah, I think I got him in three. Well, I have Ertz as my starting tight end on, on two of the leagues, but if he gets hurt, I have Goddard in three of them. So that's just hedging my bets. Because like I don't wish he gets hurt, but if he does, then you know I'll be alright. But uh, I'm hoping you're right about Urge because that would uh, put my teams in a good spot. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think he's yeah, I think he's set success uh, on that team again. It's all it all revolves around Ertz or not Ertz, but Wentz if he can stay healthy. So. I guess with that, we kind of went through all, all the positions. We'll have this officially recorded so that people can make fun of us and give us shit because obviously my predictions and bets have been shaky uh, lately. <laughs> so, um, But at least this is a we'll, – we'll see what happens. Um, but <laughs> Is Carlos Hyde still on the Chiefs roster? So when he gets picked up by the Houston Texans, Before I might have a chance. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> let's see what happens. Too early, too early. I, I will I continuously admit that was a horrible call. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but really, that that's that's it. I think in terms of tonight's podcast, I know we we plan on when we get into the real season, potentially having one, uh, at least what we envision, maybe on a Tuesday night to recap what's gone down, and then maybe a shorter one, just a quick one leading into the weekend games. Um, and then also bringing in some some listener questions or just from the league. I'm not sure what we'll get. Um, if it it's probably going to be insanely inappropriate and not even related to fantasy football. Um, but bring on the questions. Uh, at least we can handle that next podcast. But uh, really, that that's all I've got. Victor, do you have any words of wisdom that you want to send out to everybody that listens? Uh, no, I'm just gonna give the, you know, give it in Spanish, and uh, we'll see if we have a spike in this. <laughs> but uh, the one thing, one bold prediction, I'm, I'm guessing that for the Houston Texans, the leading rusher is not on the team at this moment. How Ooh, dare you! I like it. <laughs> this has been Taco Talk with Victor Garcia. Yeah. That's right. All flavors, all salsas, mix them up. <laughs> Tony, anything else you got before we uh we close out for the night? Come back, Andrew Luck. I'll forgive you. Oh yeah, he's gonna come back for another team, baby. <laughs> Him and Gronk together, they'll they'll no. join the Patriots next year. 
I will not be at all surprised if they decide to join the XFL and be the face of, of that entire league in uh, six months, led by Andrew Luck's father, Oliver, as the president of the XFL. Yep, they will join the Houston Roughnecks and uh, be the, <laughs> the face of our league. So we'll see what happens. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet on that one though. So I guess with that, uh, I don't know what I would do if that happens. I I concur. You'll probably cry. I will so. more. I will cry. No problem. <laughs> um, until then, we'll have a podcast coming out here shortly. But uh, good night, everyone. Adios.